All right, folks, thanks very much for joining us for another episode of the MusicCast podcast. Today, Marissa and I are joined with Mr. Mickey Smith Jr. Mickey, thanks so much for um, waking up a little earlier and chatting with us. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you all for having me. Absolutely. So, um, Mickey, you might be a name that people recognize for uh, a few different reasons, but can you give us a little bit of like a background of who you are, what got you to where you are in music education? Uh I am I am a uh, I am a failed musician, recovering introvert uh, who now helps others. Uh, you know, I like to say, keep on going and discover their sound. And and I say failed because uh, my first my first attempts at music were nothing stellar. Um, I was I was I was even a, a music school dropout. I got kicked out of private lessons my first year doing them and nothing about my journey said success at the beginning. Um, even, as a, even as a teacher, my first years were not amazing, uh, but with the help of others, sound adults in my life and um, through this beautiful journey called life and through teaching, I now find myself in a position to encourage others and help others transform their situations. And I like to do that with a little music little message. So you might see me on a video, you might see me on a stage, you might see me performing or teaching, but everything that I do, I want it to come from a place of love so that it helps to encourage others and help them transform their situations. When you say a, when you say a failed introvert, does that, did your introvertedness, did it not necessarily mesh with music as a career at first and you found your way through it? Or uh, what was that, that idea like? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's so crazy because how often do we not see what we have? And I'm not saying that from a braggadocious standpoint in myself. The more people I talk with, it's amazing how we're, you know, life, our gift, our talents, our abilities are a lot like our nose. We can see it, but we can't see it like somebody else can see it for us. And if you try to see your nose too much, you might, you might hurt yourself in the process. You'll only see a portion of it, right? And I think that our gifting and our passion is much like our nose. We all have it. Uh, we all have that capacity, but uh, oftentimes we fail to recognize it and, and maximize it. And for me, that contributed to, I guess you call my, my introverted nature, just not, not really believing that, that what I had was a value and in turn, not understanding how significant what I had was and how significant I was in the lives that I was connected to. But through teaching, I have, it's, it's amazing in helping others discover their sound on an instrument. I discovered that we all have a sound. We all have a significance that we carry. And when you think about that, I, I wanna challenge those that are listening and, 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 and taking this time with us to, to close your eyes, so to speak, and think of, think of your favorite teacher, you know? And, and if you do that, matter of fact, Kevin, I'm, 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 I'm gonna put both of y'all on the spot. So what, what y'all tell me real quick. I know it's the interview, but I'm, I'm gonna throw it back at you. I'm like Serena, I'm, I'm, I'm hitting, I'm hitting the ball back. So wh tell me about, tell me who was your favorite teacher growing up? Like top, just top one. I know you had probably 12, but like, who was number one? Um, Kev, you go, you go. No, you go. You got it. Okay. This is gonna, this is gonna be horrible because it's gonna sound, um, I don't know, but um, I had my mom actually as a teacher and um, I think she ended up being one of my favorite teachers because I was not good at her class, but I, st I still um, found the value in her teaching and I, I learned a lot from what she was doing. So in my classroom now, and she was a chemistry teacher, not a music teacher, mm -hmm. but um, 
I, I often look back to that class that frankly I hated to, to pull on, you know, what, what was she doing that I can apply to my classroom now? It just ended up being so valuable to me. Yeah. That's good. How about you, Cam? Um, I think I would probably go with my middle school band director because I, I was in a big, I was, I was definitely, I enjoyed, I loved, I started on clarinet and I liked it, but I didn't have a great experience with my elementary director. And the only reason I kept going into middle school was because I either had to do that or sing. And also as an introvert, uh, singing felt way more, uh, exposing myself than playing the clarinet. So I was like, I can do this for one more year and figure it out. And then I had him, and I, I kind of saw what it was like to put that passion into something and like inspire it in others. And I thought mm, maybe I can stick this out for a little longer. And then however many years down the road, here we are. And now it's what I do as a career. Isn't that crazy? I, I, I asked y'all both that because before I was recognized and for those that don't know, um, I had an amazing opportunity and experience to be uh, named the 2020 Grammy Music Educator Award recipient. And that was just bananas. That's another story from the, we'll talk about that later maybe because that was just crazy. But, but I, I mentioned that only because um, for me to be named a top educator, I wasn't even a top student in school. Like I was a C and D student and that led to a level of insecurity uh, of, of who I could be and, and what value I had. But I, I say that to say, I have right now with me, I didn't even plan this, I, but I do keep this in this little room. It's my sixth grade report card. And in my sixth grade report card, you know, for those that, 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 that could see this, you would see that there's full of C, it's full of C's and D's. Like it's not, it's not good. Now I had the sweet A's and band in PE, right? Cause I was definitely going to the NBA. You couldn't tell me nothing. I was going to, go there and show Michael Jordan, you know, how it was going to be done. And then I was, I was going to play the national anthem or play at halftime, play some sax like that, 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 that was the whole game plan. But, but um, the, the real story in this report card is at the bottom, uh, they had letters for conduct. See old school, you get, you get in not satisfactory S. And if you were really good, you got the O for outstanding. I had no O's. Okay. As we can see, no O's, no O's whatsoever, but I did have N's because I got to end, he talks too much in class. Again, I'm introverted, but when I made a friend, I was probably that dude that was too much, right? So, so I, got, I got the end, I got the end for talking too much. I got the end for he makes too much noise in class. And I got the end for drawing too much. Thank goodness for Durlin Paul Ancelet. He was my sixth grade social studies teacher. And Mr. Ancelette was my sound adult. Mr. Ancelette saw me, pulled me aside and said, nah, that's not a deficiency. That's your destiny in disguise. Now, fast forward, people pay me too much to talk too much, as a speaker. <laughs> they pay me too much to make too much noise as a musician. And people pay me too much to draw too much because now I'm an award-winning illustrator and artist. Wow. And I'm saying that because when, when I share that everybody has a sound, it's an idea that we all have a significance. And that teacher was significant in helping me realize my significance, that my sound didn't just, because my sound didn't line up with the linguistic or the mathematical components that school offers, that it didn't mean I didn't have something to offer. 
sound that's spatial. Some kids have a sound or a significance that's kinesthetic, they're athletic. Some people have a sound or a significance that's artistic, that's musical. And as sound adults, if we can show our kids that they're loved, they're valued, and that they're wanted, then that's when we understand that it's not just about showing them the subject matter, but it's about showing them that they matter. Fast forward, now I'm recognized as one of the nation's top educators because somebody saw that what I had mattered. And I think that that teaching at its best provides a powerful platform, not only for us to teach the, whatever we're teaching, but to reach in a powerful way. That's what you felt when you closed your eyes. You thought of those people that reached, that didn't just teach. I really, I love that description because I think um, when people talk about what makes them a good educator, they, they talk about what they've done in the classroom to get this far. But I really love that you're reaching into your past and saying that, no, a teacher actually found me and I was able to discover myself, which led me down this path. It's not, I think, I think that's like a really very insightful thought process. Um, and, and in addition to what I'm sure you are, of course, doing in the classroom. But so, and speaking of the classroom, because I think, I think that description is more, the description you give there is more commonly found in arts teachers or music teachers specifically than maybe a traditional classroom teacher, that idea of helping someone find their voice and like invest what they bring to the table on their own individually. But I think that sometimes what stops that from happening in a music classroom is just fear of the unknown. Cause it's, it's, it's exposing to a teacher to go, I mean, we already put all of it in their hands, right? When they play the music, if they don't play anything back at you, then that's a struggle. But when you, you clearly have such like a student driven and a student led idea and your goal and your mission is to help them find their voice. What does it look like in your classroom to make sure you still, you, you like you're giving them that environment, but you're um, learning together as they go. Oh, absolutely. I think, I think there's number one, there's three key components um, to, to what I call sound 180 teaching. And when I say sound 180, that means a sound 180 days of classroom instruction and harmony. But the harmony is not musical. The harmony is understanding that it's not just about you. It's not just about me, but it's all about we. I even tell my students that you can't even say the word band without the word and. I mean, life's better when we band together. So that understanding, that, that perspective is so critical that we establish that, that we set a culture and a climate that says that this thing is not just singular. It's an ensemble, it's corporate. And the learning is not just on you. We're gonna learn together. I mean, I'm still learning. I don't profess to know everything. I just know, I just know what I know. And there's been so many lessons that I've learned in the classroom and having those opportunities at the beginning of the school year to just present yourself um, as not as the hero. You know, when you think about a good movie, there's a hero, but the hero is not always who you think. You know, a lot of times we think the teachers are the heroes. And I hear people say stuff like uh, teachers, teachers, they're, they're, they're heroic. That was my hero. I don't want to be nobody's hero. I want the students to be the hero. And what I want to be is I want to be the sound adult. Let me break it down. So when you watch Star Wars, we all love Yoda. Who doesn't love Yoda? I mean, they even, they even made a whole nother spinoff where they had baby Yoda, right? right? But, but when we think about the hero, the hero's not really Yoda. The hero's Luke Skywalker. The student has been and hopefully always will be the hero. 
So, so when you come into my classroom, I challenge you as the student, I just need you to be heroic. And here's the deal about being a hero. You don't have to have all the answers. You just have to answer the call. So if you do that, now it positions us to, to at least accept the fact that this thing is really about me as a student. You know, people get mad. They're like, man, I can't they're like Scooby-Doo. Remember, I don't know if y'all remember, like they had the cartoon Scooby-Doo for those that are watching and Scooby-Doo would be like, I don't know, he do his little thing. And like, man, you kids. And they'd always be like an adult under the mask. And he's like, I would have gotten away for it, away with it if it weren't for those kids and Scooby, Scooby-Doo-Doo, like he, you know, da -da, and then we used to go out, right? Right? So, so, so I'm saying that to say, so many teachers sound like that angry person under the mask. I could have gotten away with it if it weren't for those kids. These kids, the what's in it, all they care about what's in it for them. Well, here's the deal. That's fantastic. I love the what's in it for me generation because all I got to do is find out what's in it for them. Because if I can find that pain point, if I can find what's important to them, then that's what, that's what I fuel my teaching with. Somebody said, well, I, I try that Mickey, but then, then in my class, you know, they mess up and they, it, hey, we all make mistakes. So what I do is I try to create a climate where failure is phenomenal. And I tell them all the time, you know, you can make failures just as long as you don't make the fail yours. And how many times do we make a failure and we hold on to it? Like we hold on to it so long that we're unable to receive what the next and best is going to be. Go ahead, Marsh. Sorry. No, no, you're good. There. Yeah, there we go. All right. You were frozen there for a minute. Um, so. Uh oh. Oh. We heard all of it. We got all the audio. Don't worry. We just froze for a second. You must have knocked out. Scooby-Doo must have knocked out the internet. <laughs> no, you're, we got all the audio. Your picture was just frozen there for a second. Awesome. Awesome. As long as you got it. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so in talking about, you know, a student-driven classroom um, and your approach to what your classroom looks like, um, there's a lot of conversation around music education right now about um, integrating popular music into your classroom. Does, do you do this? And um, if so, does it help your kids find their sound? Um, or are you leaning kind of on both camps in order to make this happen in your classroom? Yeah, absolutely. I, th I think the whole thing is everybody has a, everybody, obviously everybody has a sound and everybody has a way that works for them. And for some folks, you know, leaning on the popular music may be the way to help them engage their students. Uh, for some folks, I'm, I'm going to be honest, if we could hop in the time machine, go back with Fred Fennell, you know, he probably wouldn't lean on the popular music because he's he's the guru of the of the classical literature. Right. So so I'm going to be honest, I'd be a little upset. I'd be a little miffed if I went to Eastman. I'm hanging out with man, Mr. Freddie Fennell, and he, you know, he's, he's doing Imagine Dragons. Like, that's not what I paid for, right? So, so it's, it's understanding what your skill set is and leaning on that and understanding that the subject matter doesn't really come before you. The instruction doesn't come before the individual. It's taking an assessment of who I am, what I'm most comfortable with, um, what I can maximize, and then leaning on to that. For example, my skill set is I, I grew up, I grew up in Louisiana, and I grew up in like old school kind of kind of church where things were very spontaneous, right? So like you, there was no charts. 
They just threw you up there and it was like, go at it, baby. Have a good, bless his soul, bless his heart. Like they just, it was just basically good luck, right? Right? And 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 we would play, but I learned so much from that process of, of playing by ear. And it helped me to really tap into what music can be, that music can be a thing that's not scripted. So I said all that to say, if you come into my class, you may see elements of jazz or what people would call jazz. You may see elements of call and response, not because I don't teach my kids how to read because I absolutely do, but I want, I personally want them to have an appreciation for it in a very conversational and spontaneous way so that when they take it home, they can begin to emote with the music. They can begin to present what's on their hearts and their minds. Now, is jazz the only way to do that? Absolutely not. Can you do that through popular music form that kids are, are familiar with? Yes. I found success because I'm so passionate about it and I'm so excited about it that my enthusiasm makes them enthusiastic. And for that reason, that's why that's in my toolbox and my skill set. So I think absolutely. I think the answer is yes. But I think the answer is also the teacher. Um, I'd be curious. So if you had to, not to speak for them, but if you had to put yourself in the shoes of your students and they were, they were walking into your, into your class next period, what's the, what's the vibe and what's the, the feeling of them coming into it? Man, that is an incredibly loaded question, okay? It because it's loaded for me because for the first time in a long time, I, for those that don't know, I am going to be in a totally different environment. I mean, totally different. I'm in an entirely different region of the country. I'm teaching a different level than I've taught before because now I'm gonna be middle school and elementary, right? I'm teaching an entirely di different demographic because this is gonna be a private school, okay? So like everything is different. So that question, I'm gonna give you an answer but I'm also gonna put the, what the ellipsis dot, dot, dot to be continued, right? Right. So y'all may have to follow back up and see, and see how did it actually go? But I think that the whole vibe, if you walk into my class is, today's a Wednesday. Today's a Wednesday. W-I-N-S. See, because every time I teach, I try to teach in such a way that, that really you can't fail. You can't. Because I'm going to break this thing down in such a way to that so it's Snapchatable, Instagrammable, tweetable. It's bite size. And when you think about bite size, think about it. That's the fun size. You would think fun size would be king size. Like as a kid, you would think that, but think about it. The irony, the fun size is the small. And what I try to do is I try to remember what it was like to be 12. And that comes from not just being in the room, but being present in the room. So each and every day I'm talking with my kids. I'm kind of, you know, picking their brains and their hearts to see what's on their minds and their hearts. Why? Not so I can just get in their business or anything like that, but so I can gain an appreciation for what's important to them what their perspective is, and most importantly, what do they expect out of this experience? I didn't say a lesson, but out of this experience, because I want them to run to my class. And I actually got called to the principal's office a few years back. I literally got called in. They said, we have a problem. It's like, oh, what's the problem? Because you know, even as an adult, don't you still get scared when the principal calls you down? Like even, <laughs> even yeah. as the adult. And I'm like, I'm thinking, man, I'm trying to think, what did I do? Did I forget to turn in a lesson plan? Did I not show up to duty? Like what? And she's like, we have a problem. You know, two kids fell down the stairwell today. I'm like, oh, that's tragic. I'm thinking, okay, what's, they were running to your class. And it was highly unfortunate that these children fell down the stairwell, but I make no apologies. I make, no, and I told her, I make no apologies. If the worst thing on my resume as a teacher is children were running to my class, I make no apologies. Now, if they're running from our class, 
then that's where I need to kind of go back and reevaluate. But my goal is without a physical harm, I want children to run to my class every day looking for that win, making the day a Wednesday. I, I love hearing you talk about your classroom. Um, this is just a comment, it's not a question, but um, because I feel like especially in the band world, we hear so much about, um, you know, I'm, I'm this uh, nationally recognized educator because I've won all of these competitions or because my, bar- my marching band did X, Y, and Z. And I, I, I'm just enjoying, listen, that, that that's not a real sentence. I'm enjoying listening to you because it's all about just finding the kids and finding where they're comfortable and making them want to go to band. And one of the things that I think you kind of glaze over pretty fast is that you're trying to help them find their voice so that they can continue to interact with music once they leave their, once they leave your classroom. And that's one of the the things that I always set as a goal as a teacher in my classroom. But um, I feel like it's lost, especially in ensembles often. And I just, I appreciate it so much. And I wanted to reiterate that I think that's really important. It's really awesome. I think it's important to us all. And I, and I don't, I don't profess to have it all figured out, but it's kind of like, it's kind of like cooking, right? Matter of fact, it's kind of like my grandma, my grandmother, uh, when I was growing up in the summer, my grandma was a very surly and stern lady. She was not a friendly person. Okay, rest her soul. She was not a milk and cookies kind of grandma. So just to kind of paint a picture of what my grandmother was like, when I'd be outside practicing, she'd go, hmm. I said, yes, ma'am. She'd say, and she never picked up, she never, she never lifted her eyes. She's like looking down, shelling peas, and she never looked up without fail, without skipping a beat. She goes, hmm. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, well, I can't tell you how to fix it, but I can show tell you it ain't right. <laughs> and I'm like, is that, is that hell? Is that a comp? Is that, what is that exactly? Like, like I get it, but like, dang, grandma, like that was, oh, that was tough. But as a teacher, as I, as a teacher and as a parent, there are literally days where I think, huh, I can't tell you how to fix it, but I definitely know that this is not the way, this is not right. And I think that that is what, that's what COVID and the, the pandemic and social unrest, all the different things that have happened in the last year has done. It's kind of made us look at things again for the first time. It's kind of made us look back at the profession and go, huh, I may not know how to fix it, but I know there's something greater. And I think if we look at our profession as teachers in the same light that we look at our performance and we look at our instrument, our principal instruments, we understand that that is an art form. We understand that nothing's put on a a platform that hasn't been perfected in a practice room. We know that there's a process, there's practicing that has to go out. And it's through that practice that we finally get to a point that we can get on the stage and set the stage and then engage with our audience. And I think teaching is the same way too. I think in a weird way, COVID has kind of forced us to reevaluate what the sound is, the significance that we're trying to put out. And it's definitely helped us reevaluate the way that we set our stage and how how we set things up to be significant to them. But most importantly, I think it's, it's awakened us all to understand the significance that we have for one another, knowing how to connect and engage our audience, which is our students, with what matters to them most. And I think just like with the instrument, I think most of us fell in love with our instrument, not for the concert. Like even when you think back on your, your, your musical life, 
it's not isolated to a concert, but it's the experience. It was those fun, little, beautiful, ordinary moments in that rehearsal or in that sectional or on the bus on the way to something. It was all the beautiful, ordinary things that made it extraordinary. But for so many of us, myself included, we can put such a heaviness on the product that we miss the process called the experience. So what I try to do and what I encourage everybody to do is to look at your process again and ask yourself, can you make the learning fun? Not the teaching. Can you make the learn? How can we make the learning experience fun for them? What was, if I was a student, would I come back today? Miyagi used to say it in Karate Kid. He'd put Daniel Sun through all this stuff and he'd say, come back tomorrow, right? <laughs> he'd always say, come back tomorrow. And you know, Daniel did. Daniel didn't, Daniel Sun didn't come back tomorrow because Miyagi said it. Daniel came back because even when he was waxing on and waxing off, there was always a little moment in that moment that made him go, hmm, so cuckoo dude, his, this dude's crazy, but man, let me, let me come. I learned a little something about myself. And if the kids aren't seeing themselves in the situation, then we as sound adults are not positioning ourselves to see ourselves beyond ourselves. I think the key to success is when you as a teacher can see yourself beyond yourself, understanding that my path, my journey was as a music educator, but that's not gonna be the experience for every child. And some of the kids that have loved my class the most did not major in music. So how is that? How is that? Because I didn't give them a music major experience. I would tell folks this, this is with love today. Don't teach selfish. Let the colleges give the music majors the music major experience, okay? You can give that music, a future music major a music major experience, but that's not the totality of the entire experience. Give them a musical experience because honestly, we've got the one subject matter that speaks to everybody because I've never been to one place that if I didn't bring my instrument, I didn't connect with people. Music is the universal language. So the game is rigged. We got something that should be able to connect with each and every student, but we have to allow ourselves to see past our own experience and understand what our significance and our experience can be for them. So to take that and uh, what Marissa said prior to that also, and kind of lump it together, if, and I love that, I love that thought and that idea. And I think that I've said this, Marissa and I work in the same building. So I've said this many times to Marissa where I don't feel like COVID created certain issues. I feel like it made issues that were already there far more um, out in the open and like needed to be fixed. So, and I love this idea of teaching for the experience, not as much for the product, but I do think that, like you said, I think teachers lean and are it's, it's comfort food to lean on the, the performance because it's something you can always use as a barometer. So if I were, if I were a teacher that were teaching more towards the product, but I like, I'm buying into this after this half an hour, we got the chat and I said, Mickey, I want to do this and I want to try it. What would be like the first step or like a little bit of wisdom that you could impart to me so that when I get in there that first day and it doesn't go perfectly, I go, Ooh, nope. Concerts for me. Yeah. Yeah. I actually have a, a, a program that I put in place called First Days Lasting Ways. And in First Days Lasting Ways, we identify what is important to them. And so many times I go into classes and like the first day of school, first day of school, they, they given, they given out the, uh, the theory worksheets. I'm like, it's beginning band. Like you get like, and, and God bless, like, like bless your soul. If you're giving out the theory worksheets, I'm not here to put anybody on blast. If you're giving the instruments out the first day, Hey, go do you. My personal experience is 
that the kids are already bought in. But what they want to know is, why should they be sold out? So in order for somebody to sell themselves out to the experience that you're providing, you have to answer some questions. If you don't believe that, go on a car lot tomorrow and just go buy the first car you see. You're not going to do that. You want to know which car is going to fit your unique need. And you've got some, you've got some questions for this person that if they can't answer it, you're taking your business to another dealership. And at the end of the day, I'm not going to go through all of them, but kids only care about a few things. They want to know, am I in the right class? They want to know, uh, am I sitting in the right seat? These things have nothing to do with music. It's amazing. Everything that has to do with teaching music has no thing to do with teaching music. They want to know, uh, how is it, who is this teacher as a person? They want to know, uh, what are we doing this year? They want to know, how am I going to be graded? They just want to know, they really just want to know basic stuff. You know, and I learned this because uh, of marriage. My wife will ask me, she'll say, Mickey, what, what, what's on your mind? And I'll say, nothing. And for the first years of our marriage, she didn't believe me. She didn't understand that I'm a man. When I say there's nothing on my mind, there's nothing up here. I'm just being honest. I'm literally, I'm literally thinking about no thing, right? Right. And, and for so many of our kids, we're trying to give them things they don't actually want in the first days. And I would tell folks to keep it simple. Now, from that, can I build and develop and start to introduce more things? Yes. But sometimes we overfeed. My daughter, when she was little, and we had our, our children, they were real small. Um, they're six years apart from them. So my daughter was six and my baby boy, he was baby. And she, we, let him, we let her feed him and she fed him and he smiled. And she thought that was so cute because she got a response, it elicited a response. So she took the spoon, she fed him again and he smiled. So she fed him again and again and again and again and again. Are you getting the idea? She started feeding him so fast, the smile went away. And we had to stop. We were like, hey, baby, hold on. He's not happy anymore. You're overfeeding him. And I think sometimes we forget that, that something that's simplistic to us is revolutionary to them. Like try to teach a beginner how to put a similar clarinet. That, that, that right there, that's, that's just unheavenly. That's terrible, right? It, it, it's, it's, it's the devil, like they say in the water boy. That's the devil, right? So, so what we want to do is we want to make sure that we break down things in such a way that the kids feel like they are not victims, but victors. That, that every day they leave, they have a strong understanding. And sometimes we overteach. You know, you can, tell, you can literally tell a 12-year-old boy something and they'll nod their head and say yes, and they literally don't have it. So sometimes we give it to them too much and not in a way that's effective. So let me give you an example. If, if, so we've gone through our first days, we've, we've dealt with that non-musical stuff, okay? So, so Marissa Kev, watch this. So now we, we got through the non-musical stuff. Let's say fast forward, we're a few weeks in, and now we want to teach the fundamental non-instrumental stuff, like posture. Because we, we know how exciting posture can be. Everybody loves that. Now, why am I saying that? Because there's, posture is one of those non-musical things that can affect everything. And when I go and I work with a class, I may see 17 different versions of posture. And I'm like, how can we even, uh, how can we even agree on tone if we can't even agree on our look, right? We can't even agree on our approach. So that's one of the first things I like to address because it creates a foundation of fundamentals. So, so I'll go through and I'll, I'll teach them posture. And I'll say, you know, guys, first you got to make sure that you're sitting as tall as you can because we want want to we want to elongate that spinal cord and get nice and big. You know, I'm teaching it the way they taught us in college. And we want to make sure you know tension is the enemy of success. So we want soft shoulders, relax those shoulders. 
let them let them drop let them fall down now make sure we open ourselves up because we want to expand the diaphragm so pull those shoulder blades back okay uh, pull them back so that the chest expands and that opens up the area so that you can take in more air and inhalation and exhalation and of course make sure that you're at the edge of your chair and your feet are flat on the floor so that you can support the weight of whatever instrument you're getting everybody got that kids now look let's be honest if you're talking to the midget mafia you know what I'm talking about, those, those 10 to 12 years. You're talking to the midget mafia. You know good and doggone well. It's like that game of telephone. And then they tell the next person. Then they tell the next person by the time it gets to the end of the line, it's totally different. The likelihood that they are going to be able to say that back to you and demonstrate that back to you in the way that I just presented, it's not going to happen. I mean, I've taught middle school and elementary long enough. It's not going to happen. I don't care how sweet you are. They just don't have that in them, right? So, so what happens is it's not that you didn't teach it, okay, necessarily. It's that we didn't teach effectively. I had a friend of mine. He was so embarrassed when, he, and when I came in to watch. He was like, Mickey, I taught them. They just didn't learn it. And I just started laughing. I'm like, bro, I hate to break it to you. If they didn't learn it, then you didn't really teach it. You were just talking. I mean, we, and, and how many of, I've, I'm guilty of it too. I used to think that I'm like, I, I taught it. They just didn't learn it. No, you were talking. So how do we get from a point where, where we're not, where we're not just talking, but we're teaching. Well, in the case that I just explained with posture, my, my purpose is to help them create something that they can own themselves and they can use as an experience that they can go back to and that we can have a level of excellence with what is excellence demonstration of it continuously with intention. Right? So I have to create a vision. So I'll tell them, hey, guys, look, I'll put a little string through their spinal cord, so to speak, and I'll pull them up, pull your string up. All right, good. First, that's the first thing we need to do, guys. I need you to sit tall. Then I'll go around the room and I'll pull up kids' strings. And you know what? They just do it. I don't tell them to play along with me. I just literally go, all right, pulling your string. And they just, they're part of the experience. Now I'm, I'm, I'm inviting them in to participate to activate that brain. Then I'll say, after you sit tall, guys, I need you to let the shoulders relax. Let the shoulders fall. Everybody say shoulders fall. Shoulders fall. Because that's how the middle school mafia talks, right? Shoulders fall. And then I'll tell them, hey, make your shoulders meet in the back. Everybody say meet in the back. Meet in the back. Good. And then watch this, guys. I need the final thing. I need you to get to edge your chair because band is exciting. I need you to be on edge of your seat excitement and then put your feet down flat. Okay? How many of y'all think you can do that? Okay? Matter of fact, I need you to do it like this. First, you gotta sit tall, let your shoulders fall. Make a meet in the back and put your feet down flat. You gotta sit tall, let your shoulders fall. Make a meet in the back and put your feet down. Hey, you gotta sit tall, let your shoulders fall. Make a meet in the back and put your feet down flat. You gotta sit tall, let your shoulders fall. Make a meet in the back and put your feet down flat. And now some of the eyes get big. Some of you, oh my God, that's the best thing. Some of them are even saying it with me. Now I invite them to say it back. I hadn't focused on posture yet, but I have. I, I, I asked them to say it back. How many of y'all think you can say that? Look, remember, sit tall, shoulders fall, meet in the back, feet flat. Hey, say it with me. First, you got to, and then they say it back. We're saying it together. See, I, I'm holding your hand so you don't get a loss. You get a win, right? And then I'll say, hey, how many of y'all can, can say that to yourself like in three seconds and then do it too, okay? Uh, I'm going to give you three seconds. I don't know if anybody can do it in three seconds. I mean, maybe four tops. And of course, when you put the challenge out there, they go, oh, I can do it for three seconds. So sit tall, shoulders fall, meet in the back, feet flat. Very good, guys. Very good. Very good. Hey, you know, I can think faster than I can talk. Uh, how many of y'all could think that, like, to yourself in, like, one second and do it in one second? Oh, I think I can do it. I think I can think that fast. Yeah, that's what the boys are thinking, right? So all of a sudden, it's like, fantastic. Relax, relax, relax. Watch this, guys. 
I don't have time to say it every time. I don't have time to sit tall, show tall, meet back. So I got a special word that I say, S-E-T. Anytime I say S-E-T, I want you to do that with me. And I need you to think it in your head in half a second now, because we're taking it to seventh grade. We're taking it to eighth grade. How many of y'all can do that? And of course they raise their hand. You always ask them, can they do it? And when you ask them if they can do it, you nod your head, yes, up and down. And people's just starting, people agree with you. If you look, somebody's right now understanding my voice is nodding their head, yes, up and down, because it's just what we do. So now I have buy-in. So now I'm like, here we go, guys, set, all of a sudden. And watch this, not only are they doing it, but they're doing it the way I want. Now I've created what? A mental rubric that they themselves can go back to. Sit tall, shows while meeting back, be flat. But it's Snapchatable, Instagrammable, tweetable. It's so short, I can't mess it up. And then finally, I'll say, hey, you know what, guys? In the big leagues in high school, they don't even really say set. If y'all go watch the conductor, he just steps, she just steps on the podium and then they just do it. We speak with an unspoken language. How many of y'all can do that for me right now? Here we go. And I step on the podium. And people think I'm browbeating children. I'm not. It's not a sweatshop. It's just a think tank. And it just provides them an opportunity to think and to do in a way that appeals to them, that's bite-sized and fun for them. I wish that I wish that like people could hear you speak at the beginning of the year, in the middle of the year, and the end of the year, just to have like the energy and the excitement and that approach is so so cool and so welcome. It's a good, it's a good energy to enter this year, especially after the year we all had last year uh, into the next one. Thank you. That's awesome. Uh, well, so all, all, about, all about encouraging everybody in this season. We just want to encourage educators. Um, and then, like I said, the transformative tools, and that's one of them. That, that's a way to transform the teaching. I've, I've never been one. I'm not here to teach or to preach at anybody. I just want to remind people that they have a sound. I want to remind you that you have a significance. It's not even about going back and, and, and reinventing the wheel. It's just taking what you got and having an awareness of what it can be in a powerful way because it was, a, it was powerful enough to get us into the profession. So now where can it take us in this next season? That's awesome. Thank you so much for like taking a chance to chat with us. If, if people are listeners that are listening to this, um, if they want more of you and your message and the positivity that you're bringing to finding people sound, where can they look to find you? Oh, thank you so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. First off, thank y'all for giving me the opportunity to share and to serve the noble profession, the noble profession called teaching. And um, for those that want to know more, uh, I would tell you, follow me on any social media platform, under Mickey Smith Jr. Uh, you can also go to my website. I provide professional development. I'm actually getting ready to go out on a, uh, a PD tour. I call it a teacher training and tribute tour. So I say hats off to teachers, helping all teachers succeed over frustration and fatigue. That's what we do in this season. And I go in with a motivational mixture of music and message to your school district, uh, to your classroom, uh, to your to your uh, fine arts department, whatever the, the, the need be. Uh, my mission is just to serve and to share in this season. You can find out more on the website at MickeySmithJr.com. So easy to remember. It goes like this. M-I-C-K-E-Y. Yeah. S-M-I-T-H-J-R.com. Just like the mouse, guys. And look, if you want to be part of the community, come on and be a part of the Sound 180 Educators community. It's a private Facebook group. Uh, exclusive. Well, I say that it's, 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 it's designed for educators, 
but it's it's for it's for all anybody that's in support of education so and it's not just exclusive to music educators we have an incredible community of thousands of educators on here and each and every day i'm pouring into our educators giving them helpful tips to not only encourage them but to help transform them so that they can create a sound 180 days of classroom instruction and harmony so that they can teach by design and not by default and you can find that under facebook at sound 180 sou the number one the number eight the number zero educators thanks so much yeah thank thanks. you so much and i'll link everything up as well on the flat website um when the episode comes out as well so hopefully you know people can just click right on the flat website if you're looking for um an easy way to access all of this so thank you so much we really really appreciate it thank you